1: Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, my Reds are currently down five-four. I'm not going to let that spoil my day, though. Um, Wade Miley gave up twelve hits in four innings. The Wade Miley regression just hits different, as the kids say. And uh, Paul Goldschmidt two homers. Cardinals suddenly on their heels in the wild card, which I don't like, but again, I'm not going to let that ruin my day. It's a double header day. How are you on this Wednesday afternoon, James?
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm feeling good. Uh, we're, we're in the final stretch here, just one month to go. So, uh, trying to, trying to limit my standings watching the best I can, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to roll.
1: Nice. Well, I, I appreciate you laying out a nice outline for us today. Nine things to watch for in September. Uh, that should be fun. It's it's crazy to believe we're in September already. Um, and, you know, I was thinking on my way over to the office today. Now that we're in September, this is now 10 years to the month for me at Rotowire. So uh, wow. 10 years. Yeah, Not full time for 10 years, obviously. Uh I had to pay my dues. But I know you came across that milestone some point recently too, right? And uh, hard to believe a decade just flies by uh, in a flash. But uh, let's get into some of these questions, things to watch for in September. We saw Caber Ruiz get the call. He'll be a topic of a conversation a little bit later. But uh, with rosters expanding only by two, you think Bobby Witt gets the call? Is this uh, is this still something that? Is a possibility, you think?
2: So it, he's not getting the call today on September 1st. Um, they made all their moves. They uh, Dayton Moore said they were going to add a pitcher and a hitter. They added Jackson Cower, who will be the pitcher, and they activated uh, Mondesi as the hitter. So uh, he's not getting the call today. Um, i st- I still think we see him, but I am pretty close to like 50-50 on that. Um, that you know they have I mean if 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 we're to believe Dayton Moore, um, you know the three things he looks for is like: has the the player um, has the player earned it? Is the player playing well? And is there an opportunity? And you know, I think all three of those boxes are are pretty well checked. Um, they can. You know, Emmanuel Rivera's been fine, but I mean, I think you could obviously play Bobby Witt over Emmanuel Rivera. You could also play, uh, Witt Merrifield in the outfield over, you know, some combination of Hunter Dozier, Edward Olivares, uh, guys like that. So Bobby Witt is definitely not blocked. So I just I think Bobby Witt's going to be on the opening day roster for the Royals next year. And I just don't see why they wouldn't um, bring him up at some point this month with that being the case. Uh, the one thing that I hadn't really considered that I, that I saw on a, a Royals blog when I was digging around on this this morning is that um, for these non-40-man guys, if you add Bobby Witt to the roster this year and then there's a, a lockout next year, Bobby Witt would be you know, part of the players union and would not be able to play. Whereas if you don't add him, then he would be able to play minor league baseball, even during a lockout next year. But I don't know. I, I just, I think that not promoting Bobby Witt under the assumption there's going to be a lockout just doesn't seem like something date Moore would do. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm about like 55, 45 that he, that he gets the call right now.
1: Man, I'm sure hoping because in the stake league, I'm slipping out of uh, eater territory. And I'm starting to think that maybe Mike Trout isn't coming back. I've been looking at Mike Trout as my saving grace in that league, along with Bobby. <laughs> it's sad when a guy you're 50-50 on is your saving grace. Uh, but, man, looks like Mike, yeah, Mike Trout could be shut down for the season. So that's a real bummer. Absolute bummer. I would love to see Bobby Witt. Uh, but burning question number two for September, how will the Rays use Shane Boz, the Wizard of Boz, assuming he does get that call at some point for the Rays?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean they their fan graph odds are um, basically 100% to make the playoffs. and I just don't I don't see why you wouldn't use an arm like Boz. Down the stretch, with that being the case, um, he's he's certainly earned it at Triple A. Um, they have no now they they don't really have any reason to like rush him up and like call him up right this minute. But I think they probably let him make another start or two at Triple A, uh, continue to kind of go along with that development as a starter. And then I think they bring him up into kind of a, a hybrid role where, where he's maybe following a guy like uh, Chris Archer, or Michael Walker, or Drew Rasmussen, and going two to three innings. I think that their, their formula for winning in the postseason is going to be getting three innings, three really good innings out of two or three guys every day. And Boz could be one of those guys. Like if you, if you turn him loose for 40 or 50 pitches and he, he's only facing each hitter once, I mean, I think he could be pretty unhittable if, if he's commanding his pitches. So uh, I think we do see Boz within the next two weeks or so, but it'll probably be in a role that is tough to benefit from in fantasy. Um, if you're in a like a daily moves league where you can just – anyone who's a reliever, you can basically have them starting at all times. That would be beneficial. But if it's a weekly league, you know, it it would be tough because there, there's going to be – you know, there might be a week or two where he only throws three innings. And then you just kind of have to hope that he gets the win that day. So I think we do see Boz. It, it just wouldn't make any sense to me to not – bring him up given, I mean, they, they got a chance to win a world series. This guy's, I mean, other than Shane McClanahan and and maybe Luis Patino, Boz is their most talented pitcher in the org. So it just would be weird to not use a guy like that down the stretch and into the postseason. So I, I think we do see Boz, but I'm not sure it'll be in a very fantasy friendly role.
1: Yeah, I wish I could place a little money on Boz coming up because it does seem like just so obvious that he's got to be with them for the, the postseason run as a weapon, most likely out of the bullpen. Uh, maybe you can on win bet. I, I'm not sure. But, um, Luis Patino I've been really impressed with. Six innings and then 5.2 uh, against Boss's most recent outing. I we had to take it on the chin on the other side of that with Nick Pavetta. But in the leagues where I have Luis Patino, I've just been – Absolutely loving it. And they just keep churning out great arms. I'm wondering though, did you remember hearing about this recently about I think it was Passen who had it kind of questioning the Rays' usage and all the uh, injuries that they've had? And like if this is the route to success, then the players union needs to take notice and push back on this. Do you think the Rays are running a foul a little bit in how they're they're running their pitching staff, or do you think this is kind of just Revolutionary and is the way of the future.
2: um I don't. It's kind of a hard question. (laughs) I don't really think it's. I don't think it's revolutionary, but I also don't think they're running afoul. I think they're kind of. They're doing probably the the best they can do if they put these false spending limits on themselves. Um. You know, like if, if Tyler Glassnow was healthy, Tyler Glassnow would still be pitching like a real starter. Uh, Shane McClanahan is still being used like a real starter. Um, Ryan Yarbrough is still being used like a real starter. Like they just, you, you what do you, what do you want them to do? Go up there and th- throw Chris Archer and Michael Walker six innings every time out. Like, I mean, that that's not a recipe for success. So, um, I mean, I. I think that the biggest issue I have with the Rays is that they don't spend as much as they should spend. But the way they use their pitchers, I mean, I think that it's it's kind of an obvious way to to get good innings without paying a ton of money for it.
1: Yeah, you do look at that depth chart and you see a ton of red. Chaz Rowe, Jeffrey Springs, Cody Reed, Colin Pochet. Well, what Rudy is – what? Jalen like, Bees. what's
2: the case? Why, why does – Jeff think that the way they're using their relievers is leading to these injuries?
1: You know, good question. And I don't know how you tie it to that. <laughs> I didn't like, I don't remember exactly what he, his case in his article, but I think it was more like they're just, the injuries are just piling up at such a high rate. And there's, you know, some of these, uh, some of the usage patterns may be having an adverse effect on their health and, Um, I don't know for sure, but there's just a ton of injuries in that on the list, but how do you not just tie that to the short season? How do you say it's, it's just what, yeah, I mean, you could have that on,
2: you know, any and to me, like any team in baseball could have that many injuries in their, their bullpen. I, I don't know. I think, you know, maybe it, maybe it's like the type of pitchers that they target for their bullpen or, um our guys who are maybe their pitch mix or their velocity is, is what's going to maybe lead to an injury or something like that. But I haven't noticed the rays using relievers in any sort of weird way that would be, uh, you know, lead to a lot of injuries. I I don't know. Maybe I'm, if someone, if someone else has any more insight on that, uh, let us know, I guess, but I, yeah, I I don't really think it's related.
1: Yeah, I might have to circle back on that cuz it was kind of an interesting thing to posit but um yeah, I don't know how you tie that directly to I mean it does seem like they run some of their guys into the ground a little bit but does I'm with you that doesn't seem like their usage patterns are all that different from from anybody else. Uh next up James Aaron Ashby a guy you were advocating for in recent weeks picking up and he's looked pretty darn good a lefty who pumps high 90s uh, do you think he's going to remain under the radar, though, heading into the offseason? That's that's something
2: I'm really watching closely because, uh, like, I think if the season ended today, you could get Aaron Ashby, like, at pick, I don't know, like 375 in a 2022 redraft league. Uh, and as I think as long as he... Doesn't make more than like maybe one more traditional start down the stretch here. I think that'll probably remain the case. It's just, you know, they they got Brett Anderson starting today. He he was banged up. He could always re-injure himself. Uh, Freddie Peralta is confirmed to be coming off the IL on Friday. Uh, so. I think that they can probably just move forward with Ashby in this sort of multi-inning role where he just kind of comes in uh, after like Adrian Hauser, or Brett Anderson, or someone like that, if, if they have a short start. Uh, and if that, if that happens, then I think Ashby is going to be just a, a premium target for 2022 drafts because he could, he could pretty easily be their fourth best fantasy starter next year. Um, I mean, he could kind of be like this year's Freddy Peralta in terms of the draft cost and the sort of emergence early in the season. Um, But if he finishes really strong uh, and he starts to kind of get – uh, a lot of off-season buzz. Like if, if he makes two or three more starts down the stretch and, and they just say, I mean, because they might just decide, hey, like having Aaron Ashby be our fourth starter in a playoff series is what's going to give us the best chance to to win a World Series. And so they might find a way to just kind of transition him into a full-time starting role in September to get him ready for that. And if that happens, then I then you might not have as much of a, a bargain uh, next year. Um, so that's just, that's something I'm monitoring. Um, it's, it's frustrating. I, I mean, if you got Ashby in a shallow league right now, it's tough to extract value, but I think he's, he's worth holding. If you, if you can do so on your bench, just in case he is uh, plugged into that rotation on a permanent basis here in the next week or two.
1: Very nice, man. And then, for the Rays, back to them, Vidal, Bruhan, Josh Lowe, is there any room for these guys? It's kind of an embarrassment of riches for the team, but uh, Brujan kind of floundered in his first look and uh, just may not be, not be a spot for Josh Lowe.
2: Well, they, they brought Taylor Walls up um, today, so uh, that makes sense to me, like, yeah, obviously, Bruhan's a better fantasy prospect than Taylor Walls, but uh, they needed to add an infielder because they basically were at uh, four infielders, four healthy infielders over the last few days before making this move. So um, bringing Walls up gives them a really nice defensive option. They can move some guys around, use them as a defensive replacement, stuff like that, late in games. Um but they, you know, I still think Bruhan maybe fits more seamlessly if they were to add one of Brujan or, or Lowe because they've got Meadows, Kiermaier, Rosarena, Margot, Luplo. They're they're all healthy. And so it's probably better for Josh Lowe to just keep playing every day at A than to come up and play like once a week. Um, probably the same thing for for Bruhan but at least with Bruhan you have like five or six positions you could slot him in at whereas as Low you're only going to play him in in a couple spots so um I think Josh Lowe, like after Bobby Witt I think Lowe has the highest upside of any hitting prospect who could get the call this month but it's like a I don't know 2% chance that Low comes up and plays enough to be viable. So, unfortunately, I think we're just going to have to wait until next year with him. I mean, it's it's been sort of frustrating just how good he's been this year and the fact that he just can't really get a look. But um, I think they – the Rays probably held pretty firm in what they were willing to attach to get off of Kiermaier at the deadline. And, um, you know, I think next year you'll probably see them be willing to just kind of say, all right, like – we're going to just play low over Kiermaier um, you know he's he's better and you know we're we're not going to get off of Kiermaier or, or maybe they do get off of him this offseason but um I, I definitely think Lowe has earned a, a pretty regular role for for the bulk of next year but it doesn't seem likely that we see him this year and Brujan, um I'm less confident about the role being there for Bruhan next year Uh, but I'm Also, uh, not very confident that there's a role for him waiting for for him this year.
1: Yeah, I I was interested in that speed. And you you pay up for speed, sometimes you get burnt. But um, still bright futures ahead for those guys. Same with Caber Ruiz. I picked him up in Tout Wars, $11. I spent my last $13 in Fab on Caber Ruiz and Drew Rasmussen. So... I think Rasmussen pitches today. I'm hoping and praying I can play spoiler and tout head to head and knock off Greg Jewett. Uh, did you end up adding Cabert Ruiz anywhere in your leagues? No, um, just not really. You put in uh, what only one dollar bid on him in our league.
2: Yeah, I mean you you wanted him more than I did. Like I, I probably wouldn't have even bid on him. Um, I I didn't bid on him anywhere else. I just. I don't know. I mean, he's a
1: triple A numbers are just so damn good, but yeah, you just never know. I mean, I just with with catchers, I think you just you
2: can't expect them to hit right away. Like it's just how often does that ever happen? You know. Um, and that that the kind of the premise of that question I put in the outline is like if if Caver Ruiz has a good month of September, I think he's going to get overdrafted next year. And if he has a bad month of September, I think he'll be a a really nice value next year. So I like how good he plays will inversely affect how many shares I have of him in 2022.
1: You know, we talked about Bobby Witt earlier and that, that trio of hitting prospects they have is pretty insane. And another catcher since we're talking about Ruiz that MJ Melendez guy, man. I think he's he had another homer last night to move back into a tie for the minor league lead. And Sal Perez is crazy. And Sal Perez under contract for like five more years. So I just wonder, I mean, maybe Perez just moves to DH pretty soon. I don't know. But um, you know, I, I
2: think uh, Melendez crazy. I think Melendez will Melendez will move either to third base or right field. And Melendez will. I, well, I mean, I, I don't think, like, I don't think they're moving Sal Perez off of catcher. So it'll be, it'll be Melendez who has to move around. I mean, I, the, the nice thing is that they have that open DH spot. Like there's no one really clogging up the, the DH spot for them long-term. So, um, and that they don't have this like lockdown outfield uh, trio or anything like that so i mean i they'd find a spot for melendez um you know i mean the dream for fantasy is just that melendez is the backup catcher who plays like maybe he catches two games a month and plays a bunch of outfield and a bunch of dh and then he's eligible a catcher and outfield every year and he's playing almost every day like that That would be the dream, Uh, but again, like kind of what I said with Ruiz, I don't. I'm not expecting Melendez to have immediate success offensively when he when he does get to the majors.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I just saw him trotting around the bases again. I was like, wow, Melendez having an absolute monster year. Um, But Ruiz, I do like. I, uh, I probably will be starting him in the stake league over Yachty. and the guy I dropped, him for in head to head was Pedro Severino. So not, you know, not expecting huge things, but maybe I, maybe my expectations a little too high. But uh, Ruiz had such a great, great year in the minors. Of course, was the big headliner in that uh, return for Scherzer and Trey Turner. What about Nate Pearson, James? He's back with the team uh, in Toronto. He, I think he's working in the bullpen now, but um, do you think the starting prospect is still on the table? Is that is that dream still alive with Nate Pearson? So I, I kind of think that if
2: Pearson pitches really well out of the bullpen this month, I, I'm going to – kind of be pegging him as their closer of the future. And I've, I've sort of floated that. I I, I think I remember floating that to Jason Colette in the pool in Las Vegas, and he was fully on board. Like, you know, this guy, he's got a, he's got a special arm, but he clearly is, not a he's far from a finished product as a big league caliber starting pitcher, so you know, you go you go acquire a guy like uh Jose Burrios and uh you pay up for Hyun Ryu on the open market and you you got Alec Manoa, like maybe their biggest weakness is their bullpen, and maybe Pearson is the guy that can sort of tie that all together. So, I'm going to be watching how well Pearson pitches in relief over this final month, because if he, if he just kind of looks borderline lights out, um, you know, I think there's going to be some intrigue with him as, as a, a late round closer flyer in drafts next year. Um, you know, the, the blue Jays are in win now mode. They like, they, they're probably not going to, they might not even get it in this year. Um, but like next year, they are going to be 100% in, in win-now mode, and I think you might be best served just using using those bullets in the big league bullpen.
1: I hear you. Well, real quick before we move on, bear with us as we take a real quick commercial break.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Clay Link here with James Anderson. And James, I got to tell you, I'm excited about my walk-up pick uh, this week. A little, uh, we'll get to that soon enough. But I was thinking about going with another Sopranos song because I just wrapped up um, my third watch. Now I was late to the party with the Sopranos, but past five years or so, I've gotten in. The three full viewings, and really, I don't think there's anything—movies, any form of media, movies, video games, any entertainment—that comes close to The Sopranos. Frankly, um, I love it, man. It's just so good. By the way, do you want to hear my Johnny Sack impression? Well, I do.
2: Just want to interject that you've <laughs> still never—you've never seen The Wire, so
1: I know, I know. That's that is a good caveat. There's so many things I haven't seen. But among the things I have seen, and by the way by the way, the wire's up next for me. Uh, I, but among I do want to hear the seen, that. The Sopranos is I mean the best. Nothing really comes close to it. So I'm really jacked for the mini Saints of Newark. Uh, I can't curse on the show, otherwise my Johnny Sack impression would uh, really be in full form. But I think you should just go for it. There's here to, like oh, list, I can't,
2: list not cur- list curses all the time on the
1: radio. I can't drop an F bomb though.
2: Uh, but
1: it's uh what is this? The F <laughs> and U N now? That's it. That's, that's my pretty Giannis good. Sack impression. That's but I pretty love good. That, love that damn show. And by the way, Cafe La Bella Italia in Madison. I've been checking out all the Italian spots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love how you're, you're sopranos trying sopranos to and... like live your best Sopranos life yeah. in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, man. I that's the thing. I feel connected to my Italian brethren. I don't know if I have any Italian blood whatsoever in my body. But, um, Cafe La Bella Italia really hit the spot here. It's just I've never had it before. You should uh yeah.
2: you should like do a road trip and just go hang out in New Jersey for like a week and just go to a bunch of Italian delis. Yeah, hey,
1: I'm, I'm taking a little road trip to see my brother and my niece and nephew soon. Maybe I'll just uh, like plot out the trip and just hit every Italian spot along the way. <laughs> I could really go for like the best, the, the all Italian food world tour or something. Dan, Dan
2: Corrado is going to love this bad.
1: I love it. Sopranos. I think, you know, now that I've got my third viewing under my belt, third in five years and second since the, uh, <laughs> since the, the pandemic started, look, I've been working from home. What do you want from me? I have the Sopranos on. Um, but I think it'll probably be about 10 years before I watch it again. Definitely not the last time I watched the Sopranos. Before. No,
2: you'll, I'll take the under on that.
1: <laughs> well, let's get back to these nine things to watch for in September. James, what will the Marlins 2022 rotation hierarchy look like? Uh, they've been churning out some pretty <laughs> impressive arms there.
2: Yeah, well, there was kind of big news, um, bad news on the farm for them. Uh I believe I just want to think this is right. Um, yeah. Jake, Jake Eater, who uh, was one of the better, um, you know, or one of the more uh, pleasantly surprising uh, pitchers in the minors this year, A uh, big lefty who they got in last year's draft. He needs Tommy John surgery and he'd been dominating all year at double a. So he's, he's kind of out of the, out of the mix uh in terms of guys that could be in that rotation fairly soon uh but like we know we know sandy alcantara trevor rogers uh pablo lopez um we know that those three are just absolutely locked in but then you got uh jesus lozardo eliezer hernandez edward cabrera you got Sixto Sanchez, who will be presumably coming back next year. You have Max Meyer, uh, who will basically be ready to pitch in the majors by the All-Star break next year. And you have guys like Zach Thompson, who, I mean, I didn't even know who Zach Thompson was um, prior to the season, but he's, he's hung around in that rotation. So um, I, I'm really interested to see – You know, how well does Jesus Lizardo pitch down the stretch? How well does Edward Cabrera pitch? Like, I don't even know how many more starts Cabrera is going to make in the majors this year. But um, are those two guys going to look like, you know, very likely rotation members on opening day next year? Or is there going to be some sort of question marks in terms of how assured those guys should feel about that? You know, Sixto Sanchez. After missing all this time, uh, I assume they're gonna they're gonna handle him very carefully next year. Uh, they might even open him at AAA or extended spring training and just kind of build him up very slowly, and then sort of add him to the rotation in like June or something like that. Um, so it's just gonna be very interesting to sort of see how uh, Lizardo and Cabrera specifically pitch here down the stretch. You know, I would I would think. Eliezer Hernandez can be the number four starter uh, without much trouble, as long as he kind of holds his own. Um, But that leaves a lot of really talented pitchers uh, with only one spot, or maybe they go six man. Um, But I would, I would hope they keep it at five. Uh, It's not a, not a bad problem to have by any means. I don't think they should trade any of these guys. I mean, as we saw with Jake Eater, you can, Lose guys in a hurry. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, like these guys have all been hurt this year. Um, so I mean, you can't have too much pitching, but they have a they have a lot of it, and there's only so many spots after those those top three.
1: Lazardo is a guy in particular I really have my eye on because I can't figure out what exactly was going on with him. Our buddy Craig Mish mentioned that since the trade, he'd really. This was a a few weeks ago, but Lazardo really had shown nothing during his time with Miami that had made him a top prospect out in Oakland. But then finally, Lazardo, six shutout frames against the Reds, of course, uh, eight Ks. And I want to know if he can build on that or if he's more the guy who's been a disaster recently. I think there's still a bright future for him, but really need to see him finish strong before I can really feel good about investing. Uh, myself next year, Lazardo. Do you think the Marlins and other teams continue with a six-man in future years? I just feel like maybe this is kind of going to stick for a little while. No, the Marlins. Um, <clears throat> uh, Trevor Rogers is going to be huge to get back this weekend.
2: I don't. You know, I don't think. I think you could go to like the. You could go to a six-man when the time calls for it, like if you're just, you know, if you if you get to the point where you've got like a bunch of sort of number four types um fighting for like two or three spots, you know, maybe you do that. But if you've got like Trevor Rogers and Daniel Contra and Pablo Lopez, if if those guys are all healthy, I just I think you owe it to yourself as a organization to Build those guys up to be 190 inning guys. I mean that they, they have like Alcantara's already done that. Um, like just kind of putting a cap on these guys when when they're that good and and that young. I wouldn't do it. I mean, I, I think um, you know I still think you can you can win and you can win big with a five man rotation if you do it right. I just think it's it's a case by case basis. I mean, it depends what type of pitchers you have. Uh, I mean, like the Brewers, the Brewers are going with a six man right now um, because of last season being the COVID year and everything. But like that, they've got they're gonna have Burns built up. They're gonna have Woodruff built up. Um, Maybe they kind of have to do some funny stuff with those final couple spots just because. You can't rely on like Aaron Ashby or Freddie Peralta to get you to 180 185 innings next year. But um, like if, if they had enough guys who were really good and and were capable of handling 180 plus innings, I don't think they would be going with a six man. Um, but maybe it's Situation. just a case of there. Maybe it's just a case of there being so few teams that actually have those those type of horses where you can go with a five. Um, But I, I do think it's really team by team.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a tricky thing because you're right. It is team by team and really player by player, you know, can this guy hold up? What's his individual situation? How many innings did he throw in prior years and whatnot? But I do wonder if maybe the ripple effect from 2020 lasts well into the next few seasons, just in the way things are pitching usage is tweaked a little bit and, just trying to keep these guys healthy because we're really in uncharted territory after a 60 game season, a full loss minor league season last year. So I just do wonder if maybe things on the pitching front will be a little bit different, remain a little bit different in the years to come. Jackson Coar is back expecting better things from Jackson Coar this time around, James.
2: Um. Well the nice thing is uh he he can't really be worse than he was the last time. Mm-hmm. Um his nice. his last he, he made three appearances uh during that that fateful June run in the rotation and he gave up ten earned runs in five innings with five walks and two strikeouts. So I I think he'll be better than that. Um the the tough thing with power with is, like, well, when he was up last time, uh, he just, he had, I don't know, I, I don't even know if I want to call it, like, the yips, but um, he was just pressing. Like, he just couldn't throw strikes for the life of him. And it was, when, when it would cut to, like, his face in between pitches, you could just tell, uh, like, he was rattled and... It just wasn't going to be good. Um, he had this run. So from when he got sent down, he um, had he had a, a five star run from late June to late July, where he had thirty six Ks and seven walks and twenty three and a third innings. Um, had a one one six whip. Was was really strong. But then he had this run from july 29th through august 15th um four starts where he walked 15 hitter 15 batters in in 14 and two-thirds innings and that four-star run is basically the one reason why his minor league numbers don't look absolutely superb this year uh he has made two starts since then, where he's been really good again, um, and that's that's why he in this promotion. Uh, Sixteen strikeouts, two walks in eleven innings over those last two starts, uh, just two earned runs on a pair of solo homers. Um, so, I mean, it's it's pretty clear with Cower that the command will make or break whether he is like I. I still think he can be a really, really good. Big league starter. Like I think he's got a higher ceiling even than a guy like Daniel Lynch, uh, because of how good the the fastball changeup combo can be. Um, but the command, like we've seen him at his worst this year with the command, and we've seen him at his best. And I just, you know, I'm I'm very interested to see how he looks this this time around because um you know maybe he just doesn't have the sort of uh strength kind of mentally to battle and be a big league starter i mean it's it's really it's a really challenging uh career to have you know um you, you have to have a really short memory you have to have a lot of confidence well, i don't know and, but
1: i hear i hear that's the case
2: <laughs> myself um so i mean it it'll i hope that he gets to just pitch the rest of the year in the big league rotation. Cause I think we might we might learn a lot. Like if if he can finish strong uh in the majors this year, I I will be really uh bullish on him for for next year. But if we see him kind of revert back to just not being able to find the plate, I mean some some of his pitches the, the last time he was in the majors, you know, they were bouncing, you know, three feet in front of the plate and stuff like that. Um so I just I, I want to see what the command looks like this time around. If he throws enough strikes, I think he can have a lot of success.
1: Well, if you'll bear with me, uh, we'll take care of a few ad reads here before we wrap up the show today. There's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire: it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with the latest uh, with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states: Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding, at WinBet the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently, offer, uh, currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to five hundred bucks on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free 6-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can claim that free Rotowire subscription. Visit rotowire.com/thrive. Deposit a minimum of 10 bucks and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. Finally, the new NFL season is fast approaching, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. Yahoo is also excited to announce that its platform will now be shark free. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and being shark free, Yahoo is giving its users the opportunity to claim free ten dollars in contest. Contest was a Steve Rule uh, attempt, but contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free ten dollar contest entry credit offer to join Yahoo's Week One, one million dollar baller contest. The one million dollar baller contest. Features $200,000 in guaranteed prizing overlay. 25% of the players entered will be paid out, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com/ daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer. All right, James. Well, the Reds did lose game one today. I know you care so much, um, (laughs) but now they're at one and a half, only one and a half ahead of St. Louis. I hate it. And they're now out of that second wild card, a half game back of uh, San Diego. We'll see if they can get back in the win column tonight. But it was Giovanni Gallegos who got the save again. So it looks like Alex Reyes. Out, out of that job. But back to uh, some things to watch for on the prospect side in September, James. Romy Gonzalez, not a name I'm all that familiar with, but him, Joe Ryan, any chance either of those guys or both maybe surprise us this month?
2: Well, uh, Romy Gonzalez is a guy that I wasn't very familiar with either, but he uh, he made my last top 400 update. I think I've got him. um, Let's see. I have him as the fifth best prospect in the White Sox system. Uh, Put him at two seventy four on the last update, and he's just had a a monster year. Um, He forced the promotion from Double A to Triple A, and he's he's a little bit older. He's he's almost twenty five. Um, but he, he had 20 homers and 21 steals in 78 games at A, And then he hit 344 with three homers in nine games at AAA and got the, the promotion with Tim Anderson landing on the injured list. And, you know, they might, they might let him play a little bit here while, while Anderson's out. And uh, that, that combination of power and speed, I mean, he's really strong. He hits the ball really hard interested to see how that plays um you know maybe it's too short of a window to really capitalize for fantasy especially you know if, if you're if you're running fab sunday night and you can only get like five or six games out of him before anderson's back maybe it doesn't even make sense but um you know i'm i'm just excited to see how he does uh jeff cohen uh Friend of the pod who, who follows the the White Sox system very closely at AAA Jeff. Uh, he's he's been all over uh, Gonzalez and um, yeah. I, I think it's it's a really good story um, for a guy to just kind of come out of nowhere, have this big twenty twenty season, and and get a, a big league debut. Um, so just a, a name to to keep in mind. I mean, if you're in AL only leagues, I mean you should add him as soon as you can, uh, just just in case. And then Joe Ryan, we, we've known about Joe Ryan for a while, uh, obviously was the, the headliner coming back in the, the Nelson Cruz trade. Um, he's going to start tonight. So while, when you're listening to this, he might have already started or he might be pitching on the mound uh, as we speak. But um, the big question with him is just like how much success he can have with his repertoire, which is extremely fastball heavy. Um, and it's, it's not even, at least from what I understand, it doesn't even have like just crazy spin characteristics or, um, vertical drop or anything that would, that would make it just some 70 grade or 80 grade pitch. Um, it just, it seems like a plus fastball that, that is deceptive and he just really kind of lives off of that. So, uh, his, his minor league numbers have been really ridiculous, um, for, for most of his minor league career. And I think those numbers oversell his, his upside. Like I, I could see, you know, people that don't follow prospects closely, just looking at his minor league numbers and be like, Oh man, this guy could be an ace. Uh, I don't think the pitch mix doesn't suggest he has anywhere near that type of upside, but I am interested to see just how it plays. I mean, I could see him getting totally shelled or I could see him. I mean, it is against the Cubs. So, I mean, we might not learn a ton, even if he pitches well in this start, but. Um, just interested to see how he looks and how the stuff all plays together because he'll probably be a big part of their rotation next year. And so this is a nice chance for us to get eyes on him and and kind of evaluate him heading into the offseason.
1: Sweet, man. Well, yeah. Roster expansion day. Congrats on making it into September. We're finally on the home stretch final month of the season. Roster expansion only by two, of course, but, uh, Good to see some other, you know, some more players get major league job. Uh, James, I want to say before we pick our walk-up music, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to give next week's selection, my, my selection next week for walk-up song, to our guy Andrew Redding. He has been curating the playlist over at Spotify for us, and I think he deserves a spot, you know, pick his – And this is a lot of pressure being put on him. Pick his one walk up song. He could have one. Uh, I think he needs a say on the playlist. He gets his own spot. So I'm going to give my spot next week to Andrew Redding.
2: Well, I mean, he he could even just reply to us and and give us his uh, spot after some deliberation. Uh, But yeah, I totally, totally co signed that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of
1: getting toward the end, man, of the season and end of our you know, every week run this year for the pod. So drawn to an end, a really good playlist. I think Andrew deserves, you know, maybe he'll throw occasionally a song on there that, you know, an extra song that he likes. But, you know, usually he's pretty strict just adding our songs. But I think he needs to think long and hard about what his his walk up song is. And let us know next week. What are you taking this week for your song? So I'm going to do my first non hip hop track of the year.
2: Oh, wow. uh, Big news! For the show. Go Go Deep by Janet Jackson. So <laughs> nin- 90s R and B, um, still still kind of my sweet spot. 90s 90s R and B, 90s dance. Uh, I can I can get down to that. Uh, and then you know the title Go Deep. I mean, that's that's pretty perfect for a walk-up track. Yeah, that's
1: that's perfect for a baseball game. I hear you, man. I've never, I don't know if I've actually heard that. So that'll be one I'll have to check out. I'm going to go with a song that uh, has a rare, like, edit, even in the explicit version. You know how, like, sometimes it's even too spicy for the, the record company and they'll edit out a... A line that's, uh, even though it's in the explicit version, but Pastor Troy's Vice Versa, I don't know, nice. it goes, goes hard from the first note of the song, and uh, what if heaven was hell and vice versa, yeah, I wonder if Lil John actually stole Pastor Troy's bit with that, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, Pastor Troy was really a pioneer in the wrestling belts, in the rap, kind of fad, you know. He was one of the first to be wearing the, the big gold belt, WCW belt. And uh, he was a southern boy, Pastor Troy. And uh, vice versa, it's just good song, good video. And uh, yeah, that, that line that's edited out even in the explicit version, I, I looked it up and it is kind of, uh, you know, I'm not making any... Any calls on that line or anything, or, or Pastor Troy as a man? I don't know, but uh, I really like Vice Versa. Good song. All right. You ever a Pastor Troy guy? No, no. No. no? He was, uh, what was his uh, big song? Let me just look up. What his like one uh, big mainstream hit was? Uh, I forget what it was. But either way, I remember Pastor Troy being a pretty big hit in the late '90s, early 2000s. Check out Vice Versa and uh, James. We'll be doing this again next Wednesday. Uh, thanks for giving us some things to watch for in September. Anything else on your mind today before we let you go?
2: Uh, for any of the, the the handful of listeners who also follow the NBA like I do, I got a couple. Uh, NBA uh, over under win total betting columns out this week. Uh, The one for DraftKings should be up today. So, um, I mean, maybe there might be, you know, five or six people who like the NBA and live in a state where they can make bets on DraftKings. And if that describes you, then I'd recommend checking that out.
1: Awesome, man. Well, Appreciate it. Good luck uh, down the stretch in your leagues. Good luck to all of you out there. Hope you'll join us next week on the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet.